0: This is a Freedom Church sermon and we are so glad you're listening or watching. Please do check out our website, myfreedom.church, for more information about us, more media and other resources. ...particular towers, and there are many towers that I could have chosen to talk about in Scripture. This morning they're listed on your notice sheet. Actually, if you you see down there in your your notes, we we could have talked about we could have talked about this morning. Talked about the Tower of Babel. Who knows the story of the Tower of Babel? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, a few three of us do. That's great. Good. Okay, look it up Genesis eleven from verse uh, from verse one actually. And and maybe we could have talked about that as being don't put your hope in a in a a grandiose structure or, or or system. Or we we could have talked about don't don't kind of build monuments to, to ego. Could have talked about that. Could have talked about the, the Tower of Peniel. The Tower of Peniel. Uh, and that we could have, t- could have talked about a lesson of, of support those who are fighting in a great cause. Don't be apathetic. Don't be cynical. We could have. So that's, we could have talked about this one. We could have talked about the Tower of Shechem. Kind of representation of the Tower of Shechem. Um, we could have talked about being grateful to the person who saved you. About picking the right leader to follow. We could have talked about the Tower of, of, of Tebes. We could have talked about a lesson of saying don't get too close to a strong tower where your enemies are waiting to kill you. And we could have talked about the Tower of Tyre. Couldn't find a, a Tyre. <laughs> tower of Tyre. Do you see the Tower of Tyre? <laughs> that took a little while to sink in. It's the Tower of Tyre. We could have talked about not, not scoffing, gloating, or flattering yourself when the people of God go through hard times. Could have talked about the Tower of Siliom? Silo, 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 Silo? Silo. uh, what? Siloam? Silo, well, kind of. Siliom. Anyway, that's in Luke 13 from verse 4. Um, better change now before something bad takes away your chance. We could have talked about that. Or finally. Finally, we could have talked about the metaphorical tower of discipleship. Could have talked about that. and That really is a good thing to, to, to have talked about. In other words, don't start building a tower unless you really intend to finish. There is no other way to be Jesus' disciple. Again, on your notice sheet there, you'll see I've listed the scripture for you to go have a look at. But we're not going to talk about any of those towers. Even though they're all good and they've all got lessons we can learn. In fact, we're going to talk about... Two towers. And no, we're not going to talk about that. It's not those two towers we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the two towers that we read about in Proverbs 18, verses 10 and 11. Quite often in Proverbs, it gives you a good proverb, good proverb. And they're not really that connected to the previous one. Do you know what I mean? But in this, in this particular instance, Proverbs 18, verses 10 and 11 these two verses are connected let's let's read it together the character of God is a tower of strength for the lovers of God delight to run into his heart and be exalted on high then verse 11 the rich in their conceit imagine their wealth is enough to protect them it becomes their confidence in a day of trouble. So I think these two things, these two towers, because it's a it's a tower of conceit and it's a tower of strength, and and it's a little bit like comparing, uh, like a, a painted picture of Everest. It's a bit like having like a, st- a stage backdrop of Everest that you could you could easily kind of kick through. Or it's comparing it really to the Everest if you go and kick Everest I don't think it will move no. or, or, or I don't think you'd be able to put your foot through it so when we're comparing these two verses we're comparing a something that is is weak and will quickly be get destroyed in something which seemingly is eternal analogies break down I know that mountains come and go over millions of years But right now, if you kick Everest, it's not going to go anywhere, is it? The first tower, then, is a name. The first tower is a name. It says in this bit of scripture here, the translation I've got, the character of God, but other translations say, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. So that first tower has a name. That first tower has a name. It is a strong name it is a powerful name it is the name above all other names anybody want to read a bit of hebrew that says yahweh 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 is the strong tower in the old testament the most sacred name for god is yahweh to our ancient family that name is sacred it's never if you uh, used to refer to any pagan gods and neither is it used to regard to any human. It is a name reserved solely for the one true God. That name, that name is an attribute. It is a character trait. It's active. It's alive. It's always ready, it's always waiting, it's always moving, it's always shaping, it's always unchangeable. It's God in his nature. It's I am who I am. He's eternal. He's around forever and for all generations. He is our rock he is our fortress. He is our shield. He is our place of safety. The power that saves us. He is our Christ. He is our Christ. He is perfect. He is faithful. He is powerful. He is merciful. He is wise. And this is the name of the first tower which all believers in him have access to i'm relieved are you yes can run into the name that is the strong tower the second tower well that's a tower of conceit and pride that's one built on our own successes That's a tower with character traits of of selfish ambition, of greed, of self-centeredness, and of self-sufficiency. It's it's always building on the backs of others, building higher and higher for protection around from those it's offended stretching off into the sky so that the wrongs it has done are further and further away until they're out of sight. And if they're out of sight, they're out of mind. It protects by throwing money at a problem rather than facing it. You've got two towers. Which tower are you running towards? Which tower are you running towards? Like, which tower are you running to? Do we trust the first tower or the second? Do we trust the first tower, which is represented here by this kind of, this tower of light, or, or the second represented here by something purely man-made? Who do we trust? One, one takes faith to believe. The the other one is what we make with our own hands. One one is ethereal. One is actually otherworldly. And the other, solid. It's unavoidable. Now, I'm not downgrading God by saying those things. As if I could do that. I'm just being real about the nature of our faith. When our faith is active. When our faith is active. And we're genuinely living in in the truth of his word. And when we're understanding the mercy that we've been given. When we're experiencing the love we have from our heavenly father. And that goes beyond words. It goes beyond religious dogma. That's the place we desire to be, isn't it? It's it's the place where we sometimes fool ourselves into thinking we are. When really, the gravity of this second tower is pulling us towards it. Think about what I mean for a moment. Just think about what I've just said. Because I'm talking about stuff like this. What's the first response? When you experience something bad, or if, if we're sick or something, genuinely, what's the first response? Is it to pray? Is it to ask God for healing or whatever? Is it that or is it something else? Now, that suggests that what I'm saying is reaching for the pills and reaching for the doctor is wrong. I'm not saying that. I am strongly want to emphasise to you, I'm not saying that. But what I'm trying to get at is how far along do, do we need to get before we begin to reach for God? How far along, how bad does it need to get before we decide we need to now reach for God? How long before we decide we're going to run into his tower of refuge and his tower of strength before, uh, you know, before we reach for those promises made tangible by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross? It says, by his stripes we are healed, by his blood we are made strong. Now, bizarrely, for a lot of us, it, it only it's only when things reach, reach such an extreme do we begin to cry out for divine intervention. And... And even the supposedly non-believers, they get to a point and then, and then they cry out. They cry out something like, well, God, if you're there, I need you. It's almost like at the end of the line is, is, is always God. Always waiting, always ready. And I've heard that. I've seen it. Where people have first tried to try other things before firstly just crying out to God in the first instance because let's face it let's be honest faith can, can seem intangible at times there's one honest head nodding it can seem intangible at times it can almost seem vapour like the, the reality of, of our earthly existence can hit us like a train which is really really painful Let me give you an example, I'll give you two examples of what I mean by that in my life. The first one is when Neve, the day that Neve was born. I can't remember the details exactly, don't correct me. okay? But this is how I felt about the day and this is how I felt the day went. All our kids have found Cathy to be an extremely good oven and they were quite cosy and warm and didn't want to leave. So, all our kids stayed in there for as long as they could. Uh, and it started with Neve. And two weeks went by. We'd strolled up and down those, those hospital corridors many, many times. We'd walked up and down the steps many, many times. We'd tried the curry. We'd done all that. Okay? She, she wasn't coming. She was happy where she was. So the decision, so as so Kath was on the, on the, 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 kind of the, the labour ward, um, she went, went to get some checks done and what have you, because you know, trying to reduce her, that wasn't happening, so maybe further things needed to be done. And they hooked her up to the machinery and what have you, and the, they checked, kind of, you know, the long strip of paper comes out, if I remember, and it checks kind of all the baby's vitals and what have you. And, and without trying to dramatise this too much, there's a look of concern that begins to appear on the midwife's face. And she decides she needs to go get the consultant. Would that be right? Who looks at the graphs and the charts and things and his face starts to look a little bit worrisome. Until these words come out of his mouth, we need to get that baby out now. The baby is in distress. First baby... I don't know what this whole labor thing is about anyway. I'm just hearing screams down the corridor. <laughs> suddenly I'm on edge. can I imagine what Kathy felt. We can talked about her afterwards, but, but suddenly I was on edge. And Cath was rushed to, um, to the kind of operating suite to perform a cesarean section. And I had to get changed into those green smocks scrubs. I had to get changed into those things if I wanted to be in there with which of course I did. And she got prodded and poked and needles everywhere. She couldn't probably feel anything at all, really. Uh, and, and we rushed in. And, and, and within, I, th- I felt like, it might be longer, but it felt within five minutes, the need was, less than, less than that, need was out. So this is a rush job. But I remember, let me just come back a little bit. I remember I'm putting those scrubs on in, 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 the, in the gentleman's toilet. I, I, that's where, that's the only place could get changed. Um, I stood in front of that mirror. And, and just like, is it Hannah in the Bible? She gives Samuel over to, to God. I, I probably, I can't remember, but I probably said something. Lord, let everything be okay. And if it's okay, I, I commit her to you. And, but, but I was desperate. I was crying out quietly. Crying out, God, let everything be okay. Let things work out. So what I'm saying is, but together with medicine and God, things worked, worked out, because God gives us a miracle of medicine. Doesn't it? And here's the thing: she, she Neva got the umbilical cord somehow wrapped around her throat, and she was pulling on it with a foot, probably. And so natural birth had occurred. There could have been a shortage of blood to the brain, could have been devastating. I cried out to God but I was, at, I was at the end but I cried out to God and together with the miracle of medicine we have a beautiful 12 year old still my baby 13 and a half, and a half. That's, like the, that's like the worst thing you can say to a teenager isn't it? I should have seen the look on me's face and in fact you went no, 13 and a half she keeps saying to us I'm do you keep saying to us I'm like fifteen next year? Yeah, not, yeah. You're true. avoiding 14 altogether. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the one instance where I cry out to God. The second one is is we move to Eastern Park. This is not as dramatic. We move to Eastern Park and within two weeks our car gets stolen. But you kind of learn your lesson. And although Kathy, when she called me up, I was in a meeting, my phone was on silent. Kathy left numerous voicemails, all sounding more stressed than the last. Until I eventually managed to, oh wow, all these voicemails and, and I got through to and She was really upset, but I, I, I just felt this intense calmness about it. Thought, I've been here before, I've been at these dramatic moments before, and I'm telling you, God provides. And I just said to Kathy, don't worry, something will sort itself out. We've got a big God. Something will sort itself out. Now others, others who may not have been in that position, I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means, it's just you know, you kind of learn from some things, may have got alright, okay, well we've got to fill up the insurance first, we've got to do this, that and the other first, we've got to make sure everything's alright first, we've got to search the streets first. Instead of just simply going, first off, God, you're in control. We'll sort out all the other stuff. I'm not going to call them insurance a miracle, but we'll sort out all the other stuff afterwards. God, you're in control. Because it's times when, when we don't know that God's in control. Or when we haven't learned those lessons. Or whether we, we sometimes slip back into, into poor thinking. We, we, we get quite attracted to the other tower. That tower of conceit. Indeed, we begin to build that tower. Uh, trusting more and more what we can see. And what we can shape with our own hands. It's okay, God. I got this. I'll do this on my own. Money becomes our idol. How many zeros can I can I see on my on my um, uh, uh, what do you call it? I forget payslip. How many how many how many zeros can I can I get on my payslip by the end of my working life? Consumerism becomes the vehicle in which we drive. Our hands our hands are on the wheel. We're in control. We know where we're going. Until one day. Until one day it all comes crashing down around us. Until we've nothing left. And then we discover that that tower of conceit. That tower of pride and selfish ambition. It's been built on shaky foundations. What's left. And will always be there for us. Those who believe. What's left. Is the strong tower. What's left. What's left is the Tower of Refuge. Its door, its doors wide open, ready to receive all who will believe. Ready to receive all who will believe. And here's the cool thing about that tower. We don't run into it fearful. We know who it is. We know that we're safe. And that tower can never be destroyed, that tower can never be broken, can never be crushed. The righteous, it says, run into it with delight in their hearts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Run into it with delight in their hearts and worry, worry, crushed beneath our running shoes kind of reminds me when we came back from America, maybe the first or the second time when we've been so blessed to, to be able to get there, to the, to the Bethel conference for a week, and we came back and, and Nathaniel, I'll pick on Nathaniel now, he, he, he rushed out of his, his classroom at the end of the day, I don't know whether he was expecting us to be there or not, can't quite remember, but whatever, and he, he ran as quick as he could and gave us the best hug that I've ever had, like it lasted for about six days. <laughs> And so now when, when we want something, we want like a really big hug. Give me American hug. And I just imagine the delight in his heart. The delight in his heart. At that moment in time, no worries. No worries. Everything was focused on getting to his father and his mother, but it's Father's Day, so I'm going to say me. Running to his father to give me a big hug and to be as close as he possibly can to me. That's the kind of delight I imagine when we run into the strong tower. Yeah. Yeah. We're built up. Within it to be all that we can be. Unlike that other tower where we become exhausted trying to be what we are not. And not only does that tower keep us safe, that tower lifts us high. We might have been standing on the battlements of the Tower of Conceit, ready to shoot down anybody who wants to take us on. But the other tower, that lifts us high. We take the elevator right to the top and we look down on all that is good and all that is worthy. And we see from his perspective. We see what could be and we see what is. We're lifted out of reach of all that will do us harm. Now, interestingly, I discovered this. That the Hebrew word for a tower of strength, that, that, that kind of phrase there, it's, called, it's migdal, can have another meaning. It can mean bed of flowers. Now, it depends on the context as to what the word is trying to say. But I kind of like the idea that the same word used for tower of strength is used, the phrase is kind of used for, for bed of flowers and, and, and I like that idea because it's, it's not only is God our place of refuge and safety, but he's a place which we can rest yeah. on a bed of flowers. Mm-hmm. It's not very manly talking about flowers, and bruh, but hey, I don't care. I'd love to rest on this bed of flowers. Mm-hmm. To close my eyes and to simply be... In the end, in the end it comes down to trust. Trust in what you hear about God and the protection He can give. Trust in His word, most of all, trust in His Savior. The name of Jesus is a strong tower, yeah. and all who run into Him are saved. John 14 verse 6 tells us that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Jesus is the way into the tower of strength. The righteous, unrighteous, don't get into the tower. There, it says the righteous run into him. And they are safe. And she says they are exalted. But through Christ. Because of what he did on the cross. We all have the choice to believe. For this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only. Unique. Unique. Son as a gift So now everyone who believes in him Will not perish But experience everlasting life God did not send his son into the world To judge and condemn the world But to be its saviour And rescue it Thanks for listening to this sermon from Freedom Church. We'd love to get to know you better if you're not already connected with us. Find out more about us on social media. Just search Freedom Church Leads or email us at hello at myfreedom.church.